thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. Hey, good to see each of you, and uh, welcome to spring break, amen? So uh, hopefully no blizzards. Uh, thank you. Uh, grab your bulletin. Now, on the back of your bulletin is the outline for the message this morning. We, uh, we're in a series called Experiencing God Together. And last week, we looked at becoming or being the child of God in God's family. Okay, Today, we're going to target that just a little bit tighter because now we're going to look at being the child of God in God's church or in the church family. Okay, uh, There's the big God's family. Okay. And then there's the church family, okay? And I think in order to understand um, or in order to be the proper member of a church family, you better have a really good grasp of who you are as God's child and his family, okay? And so I want you to listen to Hebrews uh, this morning. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse 24 if you would. Very familiar verse to many of us says this, let us consider how we might spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. My friend, if I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. Well, I don't have to go to church to go to heaven. Well, okay, that's good. I'm, I'm good with that. But let me say something to you. You need to find a church family in order to be all that God called you to be before he calls you to heaven, period. I don't, I, I'm all about curling up by a fire with a blanket on the couch watching an evangelist or a church service. That's awesome. I'm just thrilled to death with that. But my friend, God never made us to be on the island. He never did. He made us to be with his people. Because, man, when I'm at his church, doing church with his people, they do more in me than I could ever get by myself. Ever. Ever. There's times I'm going to have my feelings hurt, and that's good, okay? There's times I'm going to be encouraged, and that's good. There's times they're going to sing every song I want, and that's a good thing. And there's times they're not going to sing one song I like, and that's a good thing. There's times that I'm going to go, that was an awesome message. Woo, boy, that was awesome. And there's times I'm going to go, can I get an ice pack for my toes because I just got them all stepped on. All right? That's all. I, that's what I need. I need that. I need to rub with my brothers and sisters. Because I'm going to say something to you. It, here's one thing you'll never be on an island wrong. Never be wrong. A, a guy on an island is always right. Always. His, his ideas are perfect. His ways are awesome. He's never made a mistake. He never has to apologize. He never has to forgive. He never has to love but a coconut or something like that. He don't have to love anybody. So the deal is when you're with people and they rub on you and some rub you good and some rub you wrong and some you don't understand why they're rubbing you, it's all a good thing, okay? Because every bit of it is is showing you something about yourself, either positive 
or negatively. And if everything that comes and lands in your lap, you will allow to be filtered through the Holy Spirit of God, it will sharpen you to be a beautiful person in Christ. You see, I get a lot of encouragement as a pastor, but my friends, I get a lot of negative as a pastor and criticism. But friends, I have to receive every bit of it exactly the same. And I don't just blow off the criticism. I let it filter through the Holy Spirit of God because it might be more correct than I think. So I've got to receive it. And then I let the Holy Spirit see if he wants to resonate. And the Holy Spirit says, lie, lie, lie. Okay, lie. But if the Holy Spirit says, Jeff, might want to watch that. They might see, they might, that might be you. That, that this area right here, that's what I've been trying to tell you in your quiet time. And that's why you keep flipping by that one all the time. Okay? <laughs> And, and so i got to receive that. And so the same for us as, as a church family. So here's what I want to do. I want to look at us. We looked last week at being God's children. We, we're good with that. We're in God's family. If you've been born again, if you are a child of the king this morning, it's been a time in your life where you've accepted Christ as your Lord and personal Savior and have been saved, you are a part of God's family. Now, it's very important of how to be in God's church family. Okay, and so let's look at that this morning. On your back of your bulletin, five points real fast. Number one, you are placed into a love relationship. I mean, you are placed in a love relationship. Look at John 6.44. It says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So, so when you got saved, Jesus was drawing you to himself. In what? In a love relationship. Some people say, well, he was chasing me. Yes, he was. He was after me. Oh, yes, he was. He set me up. Mm-hmm. He saved me to save me. Mm-hmm. Come on. I mean, all this stuff, that's what he's doing. The Holy Spirit's drawing you, okay? He's either using friends or family or coworkers or spouse or children or the church or the preacher or worship or a song on the radio or something that, that's got your attention, and he's drawing you for that, for that relationship, that love relationship. He is saying, I love you. Okay, I love you. While we say, yeah, you just don't know, he doesn't care. He knows, okay? But he loves you. He's drawing you to that point where you accept him as your Savior and Lord, and you get saved, and you are in a love relationship, not in a religious relationship, in a love relationship. You're not called into religion, Okay, because religion can, I mean, it can mess people up, okay? I don't, I don't really like religion, okay? Well, let's just say I don't like it at all, okay? But let's just be honest. I don't like religion because religion confuses people, makes them mad, and it's just, it's just not, sometimes religion is not a very pretty picture of who Jesus really is. But relationship is gorgeous because it's not with religious entities, okay, it's with Jesus. Let me tell you, that's a beautiful thing, okay? So you are first drawn to a love relationship. Secondly, you are placed into a spiritual family, okay? Today, you are my brother and sister in Christ by the blood of the Lamb, by, by Jesus' death on the cross and the Spirit of God that lives in you lives in me, and you and I, because of the death on the cross, are brothers and sisters in Christ, okay? I've got many guys in my life that I'm closer to, really, than I am my brother. Now, I love my brother. We're very close. 
But I got guys in my life that I'm really close to like a brother, okay? Let me say something to you. That's a very important thing for you to realize that God has called you into a spiritual family, that you've got sisters in Christ and brothers in Christ, okay? That's what the church ought to be like. Listen to Ephesians 2.19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners or aliens, but fellow citizens with God, with God's people, and members of God's household. That sound like a brother and sister? Yes. You are members of God's household. You're a family together. We, as, as First Baptist Church in Bushland, are a family, a church family. Gary, our brother who is dancing with Jesus right now, was a part of this family. Okay, He is our brother in Christ. And, and he, our sister in Christ and our other brother in Christ, Jacob, his son, they ought to feel the love of their big family. I mean, like crazy. I mean, they ought to get lavished on. Because, friends, let me say something to you. When a church experiences loss within it and we don't rally to our brothers and sisters in Christ, the chances of that family ever coming back in the church, not just our church, but a church ever again, whoo, pretty slim. Pretty slim. Okay? It, it would be about the same if, if I pass away and my wife and son and daughter aren't out of my funeral. And you're like, well, that, that's really weird. Yes. It's really weird when the church family has a loss in it, and we don't just lavish love on them. Lavish it. Because the world needs to see that more than any time, okay? Because here's what I found at funerals, and I do a bunch. There will be people at funerals that are family members and that are uh, associated with them through work and, and relationship, and then there will be these people that just kind of sit back there and they know the person who passed away, uh, they, they, can't, they used to be in church with them or affiliated with them somewhere, but they've lost connection with the church, and they don't really like church, okay? And they watch the funeral, and they watch the church that these people are represented to or are a part of, and they gauge something about the church from the funeral and the love after and around it. You say, well, I don't think that's true. I promise you it's true. Because I have the same conversation with a lot of people at these funerals. They say, yeah, I used to know them. I used to go to church with them. I don't go to church anymore. You don't? Why not? I don't like that church. I don't like that church. And they just go in and tell me what happened. And after they tell me, sometimes I go, I don't like that church either. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I don't really say that to them. But I'm like, dude, if that really, I mean, there's two sides to every story. I got that. But that side's bad. So this side over here is going to have to really step up, okay, because that was bad, okay? And, and so what they do is they don't get a real good look at their spiritual family. And I think we have moments, nuggets, opportunities in life that we get to show them what church really looks like, what, really, what it really looks like. Our relationship with God is a personal relationship, but it was never meant to be private. You got to hear that, church. Hear that all the time. I, I, I know the Lord. I accepted Christ as my Savior. I said, what church do you go to? I don't go to church. 
I don't believe in organized religion. I don't either. I don't like it. So why don't you go to church? I just told you. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about a religious building. I'm talking about church. Have you ever been to church? Because, see, I think there's a difference between a religious building and church. When you walk into a church, it ought to be having church. Come on. All right? And it ought to feel like church. And we're going to look at, in Acts 2 a little bit, about church and what it's supposed to look like. It should, it should smell like Jesus, feel like Jesus, sound like Jesus. Everything ought to be about Jesus in church. Not about man, not about customs, not about routines, not about rituals, not about all this other junk. It, it ought to be about Jesus. And if it's not lifting up Jesus and magnifying Jesus, then I'm going to go get you a, a lock that I put on my bicycle when I ride, and you can put it around your doors. Just chain it up. Because a church ought to be about Jesus. And if it's not about Jesus, it doesn't have any reason to be called church. Just ought to call it a building. Hey, you ever been to our building? I don't, I don't invite people to my building. I invite people to my church. Amen? And the church is made up of whom? You and me. So the more we're like the church and like Jesus, the more the church that we're a part of looks like and magnifies Jesus. So we're a part of the church body or a spiritual family. And yes, we have a personal relationship with Jesus, but it was never meant to be private. Okay, It wasn't meant to be in a deer stand or anywhere else. It's meant to be with the church body. Okay, Number three, you're placed into a living body. I want you to go, I've just mentioned it a while ago, go to Acts 2. You, you, you are placed into a living body. That's, that, that's the key, living, okay, living. I, I don't ever want you to walk in this church and smell mothballs. Can I get a witness? Y'all ever been? I'm telling you, I've walked into churches, and they've smelled like mothballs. Anybody else besides me? It, I'm telling you, what did you do when you walked in? I walked in and went, Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it scared me, man. I thought I was in a haunted house. I was like, dude, this is not Halloween. I was scared. I'm like, this should not smell like this. It should not. I mean, it, it was eerie, man. It should smell like life. I mean, life. I mean, I, I wanted to go to United and get some plug-ins. Get some spring flowers or something in this place, man. Somebody got We got to get this smell out of here, okay? Look at Acts 2. Uh, you know this great. This is a beautiful passage. This New Testament church right here. Acts 2, verse, four, uh, verse 42. I'll start there. Acts 2, 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now, is any of that seem alive to you? That seems living, doesn't it? I mean, you sense living there? I sense a lot of living. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Hmm, isn't that beautiful? 
And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They didn't have a revival. They didn't necessarily have some evangelists come in and preach. They broke bread in their homes together, shared possessions, and just got in the Word and daily met together, and God added to the numbers those who were being saved. What did they see every day? They saw church, man. They saw church. That's what they saw. I mean, we are very fortunate here. We see people added to our numbers all the time. We see men over 30, 35, 40, 50 years old get saved in this church. Why? Because we bring in an evangelist, pay him $9,000, and he tells a fiery bus story at the end and scares him to death, and they come and get saved? No. I'm sorry. But that is not why they do that. They just preach the gospel, and we have church, and people without know they are without, and they want what they hear, and they run to the Bible. They run to Jesus. They run the church, and they want a part of that. Okay? I mean, how many people have, have come to me right here and said, I want what I see other men have. I need Jesus. No, no excuse me, I'm the pastor. You're talking about my great preaching? No, they didn't say that. I want what you preach. You're awesome. Pre- no, they said, I want what other men have. I want Jesus. Dude, That's totally different than what you see a lot of places. That's what it's supposed to be like. That's just church, man. That's authentic, real church lifting up Jesus. And when you do that, he draws people. And they get saved, man. And I'm going to say something to you about that. 30 years from now, those men still be loving and serving Jesus. You scare them to heaven. First time somebody offends them in the church, they're gone. They're gone. Gone. Let them meet Jesus, not the church. Let them meet Jesus. He'll change their life, okay? And then hopefully they're a part of a church that looks like and smells like and acts like Jesus too so they can continue to grow and be all that God wants them to be there. Jesus said that on my rock I will build my church. (laughs) I have a buddy that says he does not say on my mothball. All right. Good point. He says, on my rock. That sounds like power, doesn't it? That sounds strong. That doesn't sound weak. So a church should have what? Power. It ought to be strong. Amen? It doesn't say, on my marshmallow, or on my sand, or any of that. He says, rock. I'll build that. His name is Jesus, and what the church is built on. He's the boss. He's the head. He's the pastor, ultimately. And that's the rock. And we build the church on that. What he's saying is, I want you, the little church, to be built your life on the rock. Not on sand, as Matthew says. Because what? Because the storms will come. And it will test that foundation. It says, I want you to build your church, little church, on the rock. And you find a church that is built on a rock. And you get with a whole bunch of people built on rocks. And y'all lift up the name of Jesus on that big old rock. And I'm going to tell you, you draw a whole bunch of people built on rocks to you. And you'll you'll draw a whole bunch of people that can't spell rock to your church. And then they'll figure out how to spell rock. And then they'll build their life on a rock. And they'll become a part of your church built on a rock. And y'all be rocking. All right? Sorry. 
You will be, all right? You'll be a dynamic church. And so when people walk in, what will they experience? What will they feel? Life. I told you that story about the insurance guy when we built this building. He ain't been here maybe a month. He comes from Oklahoma. He walks in. There's nobody in this place. Nobody. We walk in that back door from my office. He walks in, and I just keep on walking, talking, yeah, we built this. It's great. We love it. He ain't near or near me. I'm just talking to myself like a goofball. And so I go back, and he's standing right there, and he's going, hmm. I'm like, I don't know if he's having a heart attack. I'm not, I'm not doing mouth-to-mouth, sorry. <laughs> sorry, dude, don't have it in here, okay? All right. And so I said, you, you, you okay? Oh, yeah. I said, I mean, I'm serious. You okay? Oh, yeah. And he's standing there like this. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what to say next. I need more. Are you good? I'm not looking for, I need you to, you know. And he, then he goes, I can sense and feel the presence of Jesus in this place. Now, he, he's not a snake handler. He's a, I mean, he's a pretty cool guy, okay? He's just an everyday guy, all right? But he said, I can sense the presence of the Lord in this building. You know what that's about? It's called the favor of the Lord. It's called the people of this church and the people of God and the people in this church family experiencing Jesus out there, okay, every day. And when they walk in as a corporate body, the presence of the Lord comes with them. And when we corporately lift up the name of Jesus, the Lord just shows up in spirit. He shows up personally, okay, in his presence. And the favor is on this place. And God does miraculous things. Mm, That sounds like that Bible right there. Does miraculous and wonderful things right in our midst. And we walk out of here in what? What does the word call it? All. How many of you walked out of here and went, wow, that's cool. Glad I got up. I almost didn't get up. You don't get up here, you're going to miss something. I promise you, okay? You'll miss something every Sunday, all right? Let's keep rolling. Number four, he is placed into the people of God. We are placed into the people of God. This is the beautiful part. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says this, But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, this is beautiful, just as he wanted just as he wanted. I don't remember who it was. I think it was me and Daryl and Sean. We were talking, and I forgot how we got on the conversation this morning over here by the coffee pot, and Daryl said, oh, I know. Daryl said, man, I can't do what you do. And I told Daryl, I said, I can't do what you do. And Sean said, I can't do what y'all do either. And we looked at Sean and went, we can't do what you do, all right? We can't do what each of us do. Does that make sense? Not out there and not in here. That's the beauty of the church. Sometimes when you fellowship and meet together, you'll have people that, that, that want to do this and can do this, and they jump in and do that. Like we have guys that meet up here at 8.30 every morning. They set up all these chairs, okay? That's their, that's, that's their deal. They're serving the body. We have guys, we have fellowship. The trash can gets pretty full, boom, gone, out to the dumpster. Don't have to say anything, all right? We have people that jump in here and they can teach. We have people that jump up here and sing and lead worship. We have people out there that can serve and pray for people and, and all kind of things. We have people with all kind of different gifts and abilities. And what's beautiful is the body is made up of all these people. And the key is that you find your shape 
and you jump in. You find out how God made you and what your giddy-up is, and you jump in. Because when you jump in your shape and when you find your spot, the, the body itself is magnified and you are magnified. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Okay? You ever see, I think a church sometimes when it's weak in there, you kind of look like some of those men bodybuilders that I see. They got these bird legs and they got this big old huge upper body. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I'm not going to push on you. You fall over. Because he ain't got no foundation. He's just all upper body. It's like the only mirrors in the gym are like from here up. Because he can't see what I see. He'd do more squats, you know. I mean, and so you can't just magnify one part of your body, okay. you got to work the whole body, okay, the whole body. And so for us, if we're weak in areas, guess what? It shows up eventually. And I promise you, we as a church are not a perfect church, so we're weak in areas. But the sad thing is that our church is really not weak in those areas. The people that are strong in those areas aren't where they need to be. I, I think this place is very well equipped. It's just not everybody is doing their part in their area. So what happens is we miss a need or we don't see something, or we don't catch something, or we're weak here. Why? Because we don't have enough people go to church here? We have over 600 members here. It's a lot of people. You think we'd be able to do some things. So when we're weak, it's because there's some people that haven't found their place, or maybe they found their place, but they haven't gotten in and started working in that area. Okay? My encouragement to you is this. Stop missing out. Don't get half a church when you can get all a church. Okay? I mean, Brett and I will go to Blue Sky I couldn't talk him into eating half a burger. There's no way. He'd eat my arm, all right? You get the whole thing, man. You get the whole thing. So when you come to church, don't get half a church. Get the whole church. Get fed and then serve. Get fed, then serve. Get fed, then serve. Don't just get fed and walk out. Ooh, that was good. See you next week. No. You got to have a place to get that out, okay? Got to have a place to get that out. Last thing is this. You're placed into the kingdom of God. That's beautiful. Placed into the kingdom. John 3, 5 says this. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Matthew 6, says this. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Can I say this to you? Do not measure yourself to the little church. Don't. You measure yourself to the kingdom. Your yardstick in your spiritual life is not the person next to you. It's not your spouse. It's not another man or woman in the church. That is not your spiritual yardstick. Your spiritual yardstick is always the kingdom, and the kingdom is ruled by the king, and his name is Jesus. That's who you are accountable to. That's who you want to get your praise from. That's why you do what you do for him. That's what it's all about. When you start trying to impress man, you impress no one. Period. And don't ever measure yourself next to your sidekick, buddy. None of that. You say, well, I'm better than him. Woohoo, Boy, trophies in the mail. I mean, what? that don't mean anything. You don't even like him, but you measure yourself to him? Don't make no sense, okay? Measure yourself to Jesus. 
Who does this church measure itself against? Not another church. No, to the kingdom. God, what do you think of us? That's the question. Are you impressed with us? Do you like what you see? What do you want to change? What would you do different? You're the pastor. You tell us. Where you lead, we will go. That's, that's the question. Oh, we're better than someone. They're hurting. They're hurting. They ain't got no money. They ain't reaching nobody. People that leave, back door wide open. Man, it looks like U-Haul. That's not funny. That's not funny. We shouldn't even laugh at that. That saddens me when I see a church that struggles. Because, man, that's the kingdom suffering. That's us, man. We're all there. We're all there. We're all a part of the church. We're all a part of the kingdom. When one church suffers, it reflects on all of us, man. It does. Because we all carry that name. So we ought to pray for churches, man. We ought to encourage people that go to churches that are going through tough times. We don't need to make fun of them or laugh at them or measure ourselves to them or anybody else. Our measuring stick and yardstick must always be Jesus. You guys and myself included, we are a part of a church family. I love this church family. Just like any family, we're all always going to get along. We're going to have a little friction every once in a while, but that's going to make us sharper if we'll handle it in the presence of the king and with the spirit. Okay? I want you to ask yourself this. I'm a part of the family here. Am I doing my part for the family? Am I helping my family? Am I doing enough for my family? Can I be better part of the family? Okay? It's the opposite of what you wish your teenagers would think. How can I serve you, mom and dad? Okay? Ask yourself this. Jesus, how can I serve the bride? How can I serve the church better? How? Because that's ultimately what we're doing is we're serving him while we serve the church to make our family better. Today, in the midst of spring break, in the midst of daylight savings and all the stuff going on, you say, well, there's a lot of people in our church should have heard that message. Well, they can't online, but you were here. Okay, So let the Holy Spirit rest that on you, filter that through the Holy Spirit, and let, him, let Jesus ask that question to you. What more can you do? What are you doing or what can you do? Small groups, pray, uh, serve. Man, there's tons of things that we do, okay? Where can I get my hands dirty? I mean, if you want to start small, which is really not small right now, you have a family that's hurting. You want to start small, just right there. Man, there's, there's a little bitty thing right there that's huge, okay? So as we enter a time of invitation, simply ask the question, what more can I do for my church family okay let's pray together father this morning the message is very simple we're ultimately god's children and we're in god's big family but we're called into a church family and we're part of a church family and father i i say many times that on this earth you need you need three families you need three homes you need an earthly home, you need a church home, and you need an eternal home. And so, Father, this morning, may we be three for three on those. Because, God, the greatest thing we can do besides go to our eternal home is find us a church home. And, God, if this is our church home, 
How can we better help and serve and make the body here at First Baptist stronger and better than it is? And so God, help us to, to, to allow the Holy Spirit to speak that over us this morning. To encourage us this morning if need be. To convict us this morning if it needs to be. But God, we, we, we want to be more like you and we want... We want to be where you've shaped us. We want to be able to use our gifts and talents where God's shaped us and, and, and for the body of Christ. And so, God, thank you so much for what you have done and what you have said and doing this invitation time. God, this is your invitation. It's your time where you invite us to respond to what you've said to each of us. And so, God, I pray that we will say yes to you, that we will obey you, for we will be blessed. For on the other side of obedience is always blessing. Father, thank you again. Move us now in Christ's name. Amen.